Chad and Jay Mansbridge here, lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate his love, truth and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Hi, I'm Jay. <laughs> For those of you who are new this morning, I'm part of the leadership team here and it's a privilege to just partner um, in this church. There are lots of really awesome churches on the south coast and we get to be one of them. And I'm really grateful for that and I'm grateful for what God's doing. And I hope you enjoy something of what God has to impart this morning. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah. Because this morning I want to share with you a message about a person that all of us would have heard about. A person found in the scriptures but a person that is also found in many a children's book. Most of us, whether we're Christians or whether we're not from a Christian home, will have on our bookshelves something of the story of Noah's Ark. True? I don't know why that is. I don't know why this story has been passed down from generation to generation, but I am excited that it has been passed down all through the years. I think it's used as a children's book because it's got animals in it and it's got colours, doesn't it? It's got all the colours of the rainbow and it's got those animals. You know, I love hearing Chad read our little daughter storybooks with animals in it because he makes the coolest animal noises. I can try, but they're nothing in comparison and she copies and it's just a very cute little interaction. But I'm so glad that this story has been passed down through the generations. And I'm glad because I feel like it's got some really important components that I think most of us miss many times when we read it. And I want to point some of them out this morning. There's some really beautiful components to this story that um, as you now read it to your children and your children's children, you'll be able to tell them something of the story of Christ as you tell them this what feels like a fairy tale. It's not. It's written in the scriptures. There's lots of debate about its historical content, but no matter what, it's a story that unveils a beautiful picture, a picture that far exceeds just the story of Noah floating on the water and some animals and then a rainbow at the end. This is a magnificent story, and I want to bring the beauty out of it this morning. Are you on board with me? Are you on board with me? Come on. <laughs> so I laughed last week. Zoe brought this up to me. I knew that I was going to speak on this story this week, but this just confirmed it. During our prayer meeting, she brought this up. Zoe is my three-year-old daughter. And she brought me this, and it's got, you know, little building things within it. And she said, Mum, do you think you can build something with me? And I thought, I couldn't think of a better picture and sat down on the ground and said, of course I'll build something with you. Um, I don't know why she chose me, I'm not a very good builder, but anyway, that's what kids do with their parents, isn't it? Who has read Genesis chapter 6 this week? Has anyone read it? Did anyone, awesome, a few people, anyone get on board with the Bible reading plan that Chad talked about last week? All right, he's looking quickly, nod your head or do something. <laughs> If you haven't heard, you weren't here last week, um, Chad's put loads of time and energy. 
Um, hang on, I can't even underestimate. Chad has spent hours and hours and hours and hours studying the Word of God and producing these 10-minute YouTube clips. You know, we can't underestimate the amount of time and value that goes behind some of the small things we see. Don't undervalue that. If you can, get on board and just learn the scriptures and read them this year. I encourage you to do that. I encourage you, if you can't get on board with the whole year, this is what I do, <laughs> don't tell him. <laughs> when I'm reading a certain part of the Bible, I just go look up that week. <laughs> and I get so much out of it, such a valuable resource. Please make the most of it. But let's turn together to Genesis 6. I'm going to read it from the screen today, see how we go. I've got this in the NIV translation. We're looking at the story of Noah. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. It's an encouraging way to start, isn't it? And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind who I have created from the face of the earth. Men and animals, creatures that move along the ground, birds of the air, I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Everyone say favor. I'm going to find favor in the eyes of God right now and just take a moment to take a breath and say, Father, let's close our eyes together. Will you come in this place? God, I want to tell a story this morning that many of us know, but Lord, will you let us hear it with fresh ears this morning? Will you let us see it with fresh eyes? Can we see it through your eyes of love? May we know you more this morning. May our hearts be ever changed because, God, you are good. And you have great promises for our life. And we want to see them come to pass. Thank you, Lord, for the divine partnership that you have created. And thank you for the role that I play in it this morning. Amen. So Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I don't know how to say that. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. That's a lot of people. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm sure they're going to destroy both them and the earth. So, Noah, make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make a roof for it and finish the ark. Within 18 inches of the top, put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. For those of you who, like me, are not sure what those measurements mean, it was bigger than a football field. And it was higher than four stories. It's quite a boat. Verse 18, But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, of every kind of creature that moves along the ground, 
will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. I imagine there was a lot of seed on that boat. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found this, I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, etc., etc. Let's go on to the next verse. And seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I'll wipe from the face of every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him to do. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals of birds and all the creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. Did we miss a verse there? Miss a chapter? It's all good. In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the seventh day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great burst forth. And the floodgates of the heavens were opened and rain fell on the earth. 40 days and 40 nights. We all know that part of the story, don't we? On that very day, Noah and his sons entered the ark. They had with them every wild animal according to its kind and all the birds, etc., etc. Go on to the next bit. Pairs of all the creatures that have the breath of life in them came to Noah. They came to Noah and entered the ark. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing as the Lord had commanded them. And this is cool. God, the Lord, shut him in. For 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. Are you still here? Are you still with me? I know we know this story, but this is some awesome points. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high... <laughs> is this the right one? Every living thing. <laughs> I was going to read it from my Bible, but we didn't have the message translation, so I've gone to the NIV. That's why we're doing it like this, so I'm, I'm sorry. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 20 feet. Wow. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Nothing was left. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Did you hear that? He sent a wind, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down and on the seventh day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. It rested very high. Imagine a football field resting on top of a mountain. That would feel... The waters continued to recede until the 10th month, and on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountain became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened the window, and he had made in the ark and sent out a raven. I don't know why he sent out a raven. 
and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground, but the dove could not find a place to sit its feet because there was no water over all the surface of the earth because there was water. There was water. It's an important point. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand, took the dove and brought it back to himself. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. I'm going to stop the story there. I think you've heard enough of that story. Thank you for sitting through such a big piece of scripture. I think it's important we read scripture in church. Would you agree? You know, there's seven really important points to this story. Seven is a good number. Yeah. Seven means divine perfection. All right? Seven is a good number. In my book, I use the seven colors of the rainbow to talk about our relationship with God and his unique purposes for our life. Seven is good. So seven points. Everyone's got the number seven? Seven. Okay. Easy to remember. The first point is this, okay, let's go right back to the start of the story. Noah was favoured by God. Of all the men on earth, God looked down and he was going to cause destruction. He's like, look at what I've made, I'm so disappointed, no one has relationship with me. That's why we were created, to have relationship with him. And all these men are out there and they don't want to have relationship with him. Yet God sees the one. God sees you. You are one in but many, many people here on the earth. And some of you need to hear just this first point. God sees you. In fact, it says in the scriptures that he knows every hair on our head. I love it that God looked down and he saw that there was one man who had relationship with him and he saw that. And God sees us, and he sees when we have relationship with him. That's the first point. Within that point, I also want to mention that Noah was a man who was obedient. A word that I think we've come to kind of fear. Obedience? What is that word? But Noah was obedient to God, and I think God knew that when he outlaid the plans that he had before Noah. He knew that Noah was a man that he could share his heart with and Noah would respond and partner with him. This story is a really cool story because it parallels to the beautiful story of Jesus. And I'm going to show more and more as the story goes along how it parallels to that and how it's a prophetic picture of what was to come. But you know, each and every one of us is intricately designed by a creator within our mother's womb. True? Who's the creator? God. Whether we choose God or whether we choose to ignore God, God is the creator. Do you know that a piece of artwork gets its value from two things? The first is the person who painted it instills how much a painting is worth. So think about paintings. Who are some famous artists? Van Gogh. Who else? Picasso, Tony Creed, Tony Creed. 
Some of those paintings of some of the people that you just spoke out, their paintings not only go for millions of dollars, but hundreds of millions of dollars. The most expensive painting in the world was sold two years ago, according to Google, for $450.3 million. That is ridiculous. Like, I can't even, that is ridiculous. But the person who painted that, I haven't written down who painted that painting, you can go Google it. The person who painted that painting never knew that it was going to be worth that amount. But they saw value in what they had they'd painted because they put it out there. It's the person who paid the price that fully sees the value of the painting. True? So there's two reasons why a painting gets its value. A, because of who created it, and B, because of who purchases it. Do you know, we get our value, A, because we are created by a loving God. It doesn't matter how we were created. It doesn't matter how conception took place, whether you came from a loving family or whether you came from um, a terrible night of terror for your mother. No matter which is the circumstances, the creator God of all intricately designed you within your mother's womb. You are perfectly and wonderfully made. And that is the story of every single person on the earth. The story of every single person on the earth is also that Jesus Christ died in order that we could have relationship with God. Uh, we have value in two ways. A, that we are made by the Creator, and B, that this person of Jesus added value to our life by taking the world's sins onto himself so that we become a valuable person. Number, the first point this morning and the most important point is this. You are favoured by God and you have every opportunity to be obedient to God by connecting your life to Jesus. I'll talk more about that in a minute. Is that good? Yeah. Is that good news? Is it good news that we were created beautifully and wonderfully, intricately designed? I think more of us need to get a hold of that and be okay with the intricately designed part so you look different. You were meant to look different. You were meant to behave differently. You were meant to think differently. You were meant to create differently. You are made different to the person sitting next to you, even if they came from your loins. Because that is the God that we serve. He is so big in who he is that it takes a lot of people to represent the fullness of God here on earth. Can we celebrate that? So number two, we have Noah. And he is favoured by God. And God makes a request of Noah. Noah, I know you're busy. You've got your hands full because you've got more than two kids. You've got three. See, hands full. He hasn't got three hands. Anyway. <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm trying. Noah's a busy man. He's got his hands full. He's got three kids. He's got to provide for them. He's raising his household. He's going out to work. He's building his home. And here God is, and he comes along and he just thunders a command. Actually, I don't know how God spoke exactly to Noah. It doesn't say. It doesn't say whether Noah and God had this relationship where they talked. And actually, God had built Noah's faith up over time. Noah had lived a lot of years on earth, 600 years. There was time for this relationship to build. No matter how God talked to Noah, and no matter how God talks to you, and God does talk in many varied ways, Noah heard God. 
Noah heard God's plans and Noah agreed to this divine partnership. He said, I hear you, God. No matter what anybody says, no matter how busy I am with everything in the rest of my life, I will obey, I will respond to what you've called me to. And so because of that, he sets about building just a little boat. I think it's really interesting, because he had to build something so large, I dare say that he had to call others in to help. You know, Noah building this boat, it would have taken his time, his energy, and probably his finances, because I'm sure the people that he was calling in to help wouldn't have been like, yeah, sure, I'll get on board. I'll come and help you. You're building a boat in the middle of nowhere. There's no rains coming, but yeah, I'll I'll trust you. I'll just volunteer my time. Probably not. It probably cost him. Everyone responds to money, don't they? Come and work for me. Come and help me out. I need some toolies over here. Uh, toolies. Some tradies. I was thinking people on the tools. And I mixed the two up. <laughs> Trulies. Anyway, tradies. He needed some tradies. Come on over and help. My second point this morning is this. God speaks to each and every one of us. And he gives opportunity to respond and obey. And the first opportunity we always get to obey God in is in responding to Jesus and his death on the cross. But then we also have the opportunity to partner with God in this life. And God calls some of us to do things that are extreme. Building a boat that was bigger than a football yard is kind of big. Would you agree? Expecting, and something else I want to bring up with this is that there was a reverse order. Okay, every time God had spoken in the past, the things that you needed were already there. So think Adam and Eve. Adam, go name the animals. They were there. And so Adam gave them names. And other events that happened over the course of time. But when Noah has to respond to God, he has to build something before the flood has come. Who knows that it's harder to do something that requires faith than it is to just respond to God. God, I see a sick person, I'm going to go over and pray for them. God speaks. Hey, there's a sick person, go over and pray for them. You go pray for them. Okay, that takes faith. But it takes greater faith to do something where you don't see the instantaneous results. In fact, where there's a time lapse involved. And many things that God asks us to do happen over a period of time. I just, you know, I'm looking out and there's a few pregnant mums amongst us. You want pregnancy to last a certain amount of time. You want it to be in the timing of God that that baby is born. And it's the same with many things that he places upon our lives and he tells us to do. We need to continue doing what he's called us to do despite not seeing the fulfillment of the fruit because it's not yet time for the fruit. So there's two points with this point number two. Can you remember that? The animals went in two by two and there's two points to number two. When it comes to what God speaks into our life, we need to be obedient and we need to be okay with his timing. 
obedience and timing. They both start with T. You can remember that. And so the floodwaters came, didn't they? Here we are, we have this boat, and, and finally, after a period of time, the animals come and they jump in, and Noah comes and he hops in with his family and all the food that's been prepared, and the floodwaters come. The floods come up out of the ground, the floods come down out of the heavens. It floods. And when I think of a flood, I think of destruction. Everything was destructed, destructed, destroyed. I just say these things to make you laugh, totally on purpose. <laughs> but you know what? God is not a God of destruction. And we can look at this story and we can go, everything was destroyed. Or we can go, actually, God had an amazing plan where he was setting about renewing the earth. He was creating a new earth. He was creating an earth that was to be in right standing with him. He was creating a people who were to have relationship with him. That was his heart's desire. And he's allowed to desire that. He's the God of all. And so when I see the picture of the waters, when I see the picture of the floods, I choose not to be reminded of the destruction and devastation that came, but instead I go back to the New Testament. And I ask myself the question, what do waters represent? What do floods of waters, what does loads of living water, what, what does that represent? And the only thing that I can possibly come back to is the love of God. Every time I read about water, I'm just find myself immersed again by the love of God. And when I stand out and I look at the sea, how can you not think of anything but the goodness of his love, how great it is, how wide, how deep? It is the only place that we can be saturated by his goodness. I love the idea of stepping into the deeps of the water and breathing in his love and blowing it out. And breathing in his love and blowing it out. That is how great the magnitude of the love of God is. And, and that is what God was doing with this flood. He was setting about a new order so that love could abound. Jesus. Set him, God sent his son Jesus, his one and only son, to die on a cross. Now many men of his time died on crosses. So why was Jesus important? The importance of the Jesus story is that God sent his son on earth to be a man. And a man who lived just like us, but knew no sin. I believe Jesus was able to live on earth with no sin because he knew what heaven was like. So he knew that earth was never his home. Whilst he came fully in the body of a man, he knew that heaven was never his home. And so for this short period of eternity, he could live without sin in his life because he knew the bigger picture. My Bible says, though, that he came fully as man and he did just that and he didn't sin. And yet he suffered at the hands of the cross. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, he sent his only son, Jesus, 
but whosoever believes in him shall have everlasting life, everlasting love, the everlasting presence of God. When I think of water, I think of the price that Jesus paid and the love that overflowed out of his love. And so I look back at his life and I think of the stories that are talked about in John. So many stories where water is represented. What's Jesus' first miracle? Water into wine. What's that picture all about? I think water brings refreshing and it revitalizes us. But you know what? Wine changes our perspective and how we see things. True? You've seen people drink wine? They don't act the same as when they drink water. And exactly the same is true of when we invite Jesus into our lives. We don't act the same. We are immersed in his love and it changes the way we see the world. Of course, the greatest picture of Jesus with water is when he goes to John. And John's in the, in the river, in the sea, baptizing people. And so Jesus goes up to John and goes, I want to be baptized. And John says, uh-uh, of all the people on the earth, I know who you are. Why does John say that? John's prophetic. And so John goes, no, no, you need to baptize me. And Jesus goes, uh-uh, you need to baptize me. And John, in obedience, does exactly as Jesus says. He immerses Jesus into the water, baptizes him. And what does God say booming out of heaven? This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Can we put the scriptures up? We got that one. Let's go to, yeah. Mark 1 verse 10, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom, whom I love and with you I am well pleased. God sent his one and only son and this declaration in water revealed the full purposes of who Jesus was. There's many other water encounters that you can read about in John that are really cool. But can we go to 1 Peter 3 verse 18? Sorry, I'm making him flick back. For Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Don't you love that? God waited patiently. <laughs> Imagine how hard it would have been to build. In it, only a few people, eight and all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Water represents the love of God. His love is wide, it is deep, it saturates us all. And time and time again, we need to know how good his love is. He has not brought us to death and destruction. He has brought us to Jesus Christ. And through him, 
in every situation we can know the love of God. After the waters came something really cool. After Noah, imagine being in that boat all that time. I mean, even as big as it was, they're probably going crazy, like, get me out of here. I'd be going crazy. Anyway, the waters start to recede because the springs have been closed up. But on the surface of the water, something happened. A wind came. And we all know great and mighty winds, don't we? We have some winds that blow trees over. We have some strong winds. And these winds took the water off the earth and placed it back in the sea. Wind is powerful. And this story reminds me of Acts chapter 2. When the, it's the day of Pentecost, we've got the disciples there and they're praying. Jesus has gone back into heaven and they're like, what do we do without you? And, and, and so they're praying and the Holy Spirit comes like a wind and it just goes through them. And then they start speaking in tongues and fire comes. There is a power that comes with the Holy Spirit. There was a power that came that day that removed the waters the waters of destruction, to reveal the new life. There is a power within each and every one of us as we invite the Holy Spirit into us that changes atmospheres, that changes situations. We as Christians are not a powerless people. And I love that we can read this storybook to our children and be reminded of the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, no one needed to know that his God was big to build an ark. He was doing something for generations and generations and generations to come. And the plans and purposes or the assignments that God gives each and every one of us that we have the ability to respond to are big. Even if your assignment at the moment is carrying a small child within your womb, they become a big person. Every child that is born is new potential. Every small task or every large task that God gives you is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we are a powerful people. And I think over the course of the year, this is something we need to understand more and more and more. Stir up the Holy Spirit. Be aware that if we haven't had an experience with the Holy Spirit of the course of the week, perhaps we haven't needed him. Perhaps it's time to realign yourself and position yourself with Christ so that the assignments that he gives you require that he partners with you every single day. Perhaps we need to start asking ourselves the question, what are we doing that requires faith, that requires a little bit of supernatural partnering with God from above? Because you know what? It's pretty awesome when you see the outcome of what he's called you to do. It's cool when God does things. It's cool when God does things through your friends. It's amazing when it does it through us. I don't know about you, but I love it when he uses me. I didn't think I could write a book. And then he used me. And now I'm excited to see what happens as people read that book and respond to the principles and the power of God. So Noah's standing there, the winds have come and they've taken out the water and he's not sure, you know, for some reason he's not communicating with God right in that moment so he uses a dove, well, he uses the raven first but I'm leaving that part of the story out. He uses this dove and he sends it out and then it comes back and then he uses this dove again 
And it goes out and it brings back what? An olive leaf. Do you know, the dove also came upon somebody as they rose up out of the waters. The dove of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Who was it, Mal? Jesus. <laughs> as he came up out of the water, the dove rested on Jesus. When Moses needed to find out if there was land, he sent the dove out and it came back. The dove to me represents a couple of things. It represents the Holy Spirit. It represents peace. And it represents that the bird knew its way back home. Did you know we're called to be a people who know our way back home? Where is our home? Well, heaven is our home. The kingdom of heaven is our home. We are called to know our way back home. The picture of Jesus on the cross reminds me of a bird. You've heard me say that, arms outstretched. But it reminds me also of, a, of a, uh, a bird because its feet are firmly planted on the ground at times. But Jesus' eyes were up at heaven. He was looking up to his heavenly home. When I think of the picture of the dove, it knows its way back home. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have our feet firmly planted here on earth but know our way back home be able to see our Father in heaven and stretch out and bring heaven down into earth. The peace that Jesus had resting on him meant that he could be in a boat while his disciples were freaking out. Jesus could be in a boat where a storm raged around. Jesus could be in a boat. And what was he doing? He was sleeping. Why was he sleeping? He was tired. And you know what? The storm couldn't destroy him because he knew where his home was. And if we can be a people who fully understand this, this is something that I have to learn on a day-to-day -day basis, is how to find peace in the midst of the storm. How do I do that? I invite the Holy Spirit in. How do I find peace when we have to make decisions, where we have to go witness into other lands where it's not as safe as it is here? How do I find peace when Chad goes and does that and I'm left at home with the kids? Well, I rest in the Holy Spirit. I've had times when I've gone into lands that have been dangerous. I've been doing it with my parents since I was a kid. How do we find peace in that? We know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there even when storms are raging. There is a strength to the Holy Spirit, but there is also a peace to the Holy Spirit. Did you know you could get this much out of the story of Noah? Did you know that you could read it to your kids and it could be more than just pretty colours and animal sounds? There are seven main points that can just change our lives on a day-to-day -day basis. I'll go through the rest of these quickly, but the olive branch. The olive tree is mentioned so many times in scriptures and the four things that I want to bring out of this are that olive produced oil. Oil can be used to light lamps. And Jesus is the light of the world and we are designed to reveal his light. Oil can be used to make bread. Jesus is the bread of life 
and we can be used to share the good news of the scriptures, the good news of who God is. We can share the bread of life. And let me tell you, people do come to you hungry. Trust God that you can share with them the bread of life. Oil is used for the anointing of priests and kings. And you know, we are to let people know how important they are. They are so important that they are meant to come into connection and relationship with Christ, that they too can be priests. What are priests? Priests are those that have a close relationship with God. Back in the Old Testament, they would do all the things they had to do, the sacrificial things, in order to get close to God, in order to hear God's voice, in order to go back and tell the people what God had told them to do. Well, we now are the priesthood of all believers, those who have accepted Jesus. So we get to share that anointing. We get to anoint others. We get to pray for others and invite them into the kingdom of heaven. We get to anoint them as priests. We get to anoint them as children of God. What does that mean? Well, when you come to know Jesus, you too become a son or a daughter in the kingdom of heaven. Being a son or daughter in the kingdom of heaven gives you access to heaven all the time, even while you're situated here on earth. It's not a, I want to get saved because one day I'll be going to heaven. No, it's a bringing heaven down on earth. It's a, I want Jesus here for now so that I can reveal his glory. That's who we're called to be. This is what we get to carry. And the other, the fourth part of the olive branch that I want to mention is the tree, is the wood. The wood was designed or used in the designing of the tabernacle. The tabernacle was designed to host the presence of God's glory. You are designed to host the presence of God's glory. And that is an amazing thing. And that is something that I'm going to speak more on in the next couple of months. So we've got six things. Did you count six things? <laughs> the seventh is this. And I'm not going to speak about it today. <laughs> but it's the picture of the rainbow. The rainbow is a significant picture of the promise of God, of his covenant relationship with us. And it is beautiful and it is multicolored and it takes knowing the light of the world, Jesus, and it takes knowing the great love of God. Isn't it? Water and light create the colors of the rainbow. As we know God more in the different aspects of who he is, we get to see the fullness of who he is come out of our lives, like it says in John, like rivers of living water just flowing out of our bellies. Isn't that cool? That is who we get to be, a covenant people in relationship with God. I hope something of today has helped you today. You know, I don't know where you're at, but if you didn't know that you were favoured by God. I hope you've heard that today. I hope you've heard that he loves you with a love that is never ending. Whether you respond to him or not, he loves you. In reverse order, Jesus died for our sins and then we come to the earth and we sin. See how that reverse order works? No matter what sin you've committed or not, just when, if we haven't lived in relationship with God, then we're sinners. 
because he put us on earth to have relationship with him. Jesus desires a relationship with you and the only way we gain access to him is through the person of Jesus. If you need to choose today to be obedient to him, then I give you that opportunity. You know, I don't know where you're at with the things that God's spoken over your life, whether you've put them aside because you're just like, I just want to soak in his love. I just want to know him for who he loves me as. There's been a real move of that around the world. But you know what? God is greater than just loving us. He wants to partner with us because it's in the partnering with us that he gets to reveal his glory on earth. We're called to be a partnering people. Maybe you've forgotten some of the things he's spoken over your life, but today I, I just give you the invitation to respond and pick things back up again, to respond to God faithfully because you have God's love, you have access to the Holy Spirit, which is powerful and peaceful, and you have everything you need to reveal the light to mankind, to reveal his scriptures and his love and his word and his truth to anoint people as priests, to restore them back into the kingship where they deserve to sit, to bring his glory and his presence into everybody's midst. Midst. Can't say that word. Another one. So that his glory is revealed. Let's stand together. I do just want to give you an opportunity to respond right now. Is Jess here? Can I see you in the corner? Wave your hand, Jess. She's our artist in the house. Can everyone give her a clap? Yeah. She's gorgeous. And her work is very valuable. Very valuable. Can we close our eyes for a minute? If you're in this place and you have never asked Jesus into your heart, into your life, whether you've never invited him in, in fact, you've never actually understood who Jesus is, well, then I just want to give you opportunity right now, just where you are, just to say, Jesus, I still don't, you know, from this crazy woman's words, I still don't really know who you are, but I'm, I want to know more about you. Will you come and partner with my life? I want to be obedient to who you are. I'm not quite sure what that means, but God, will you reveal yourself to me now and over the coming weeks? If that's something you want to do and you want to let one of us know so that we can follow you up, then this very tall man up the front here, Jake, come and chat with him or Rob or Maureen in the corner here. You're welcome to talk to them anytime this morning or myself. And if you are... If you have invited him in, that is very cool. That is like the best news ever because celebrating life with him is so amazing. Amen. Amen. If you're in this place and you actually just feel like, I just personally need to deal business with God this morning because I've put aside some things that he's spoken over me. You know, some of us, we think what God has spoken over us is small because actually he's wanting us to collaborate with others. That's a lot of the journey of our life with Christ. 
just be patient in the timing because he will reveal to you who you're collaborating with in order for the fullness of it to come to pass. But if you've kind of put aside some of the things that God has spoken over you, today I just invite you to invite God to let you know what those things were again. And I give you permission to say yes to the assignments from the kingdom of heaven. We're a powerful people. He's put us on a beautiful course and our lives are designed to reveal glory. And God, I just pray over each and every one of us this morning that we leave feeling refreshed by those rivers of God, by the waters of his love, that we feel renewed and that you will bring a peace and a joy this week that passes all understanding. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed today's message. Remember to check us out at baysidechurch.org.au. And of course, if you're ever in the area, please pop in and say good day. Bye.